Uh, you know what that means. It's time for Iron Sports 95.9 True Oldies Channel. Mike and Sean, we are here as well. Huge show on tap for you tonight. A lot of NBA going to be discussed as the draft is now in the rearview window and all eyes are on, well, basically, what's going to happen in free agency? There's no sport where free agency is quite as important, popular, or talked about as the NBA. We're going to get into that in depth tonight, as well as discuss who did well in the draft. There were so many moves, and this is one of the things, Ira, this is one of, you know, before we get to everything, this is one of the things about the NBA that I, I really think is different than most sports. All these drafts made you know, right as soon as the as the, as the pick is announced. And so it's one of these things that you don't really see in other sports. However, it's a critical part of the NBA. Things like Kobe Bryant, you know, being traded before ever even stepping on the hardwood. Yeah, I mean, I would, it was awesome to be at the draft. I've gone to 13 NBA drafts. And I, what I love about the NBA draft is that as someone who follows college basketball like I do, I know all these players. I've watched all these players. I've seen them all, most of them play except for the foreign players. And then you, and you know what the teams need. So you know what the teams are needing that are drafting the players. I watch a lot of college football, but I don't know the offensive linemen from North Dakota State. I don't know the defensive end from uh, Montana State. So the point is, is that I know these players. I've seen these players play. It's the combination of watching college basketball like I love and then the pros at the same time. Ira, are you saying you weren't watching Luka Doncic at Fenerbach in Turkey growing up? I mean, <laughs> come on. I thought everybody was. Um, you know, before we get into you know, where you've been and everything, two, two headlines today. One the ESPN 10th anniversary body issues out, and I'm as disgusted as ever. I don't need to see Greg Norman um, half naked. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, guy's got a great body, don't need to see his butt, um, you know, plastered all over the internet. So I think we can do away with the body issue at this point. We'll see if, uh, you know, if ESPN keeps up with that. Another thing that I think is weird is that LeBron says he doesn't want a recruiting circus. This guy lives for the recruiting circus, and we're going to talk about LeBron's uh, potential destinations uh, coming up here. Just a few minutes, Ira on sports. Ira, before we get to uh, all the fun you had at the NBA draft at the Barclays Center, we have a group text, and I don't want to say what time in the morning it was, but you sent a picture to Sean and I of you at a big club in New York City hanging out with Joel Embiid. Tell us about it. Well, it's just, I mean, it was, a, it was a, a white party, so everybody was dressed in white at, at, at the Tau, and one of the largest clubs in the country, really. And sometimes when celebrities go to these clubs, there's, you know, you hear a rumor, oh, so-and-so is here, he's in the back, he's in a room, and there's, there, it's roped off, and there's bodyguards around him, and you can't see who it is, and you hear rumors, and, you know, you might say, I was at the club, and I saw, but you're not really there. But Joel Embiid, 7-2, he was standing on a banquette for like an hour and a half. Now, he was not, you know, drinking it hard. I didn't see him drinking, going crazy. He was certainly well-behaved, everything about it. But, you know, clearly anybody from any vantage point in the room could see him standing there. And uh, he was certainly having a good time. I think Joel Embiid loves being Joel Embiid. I mean, he really enjoys being himself. I just look at that. He's having a good time. He enjoys it. Um, he just he was funny, laughing with people, talking to people. Um, he really was not someone who's going to be sitting back in the back with the bodyguards. No one can see him. He was out in the middle of the room. Nobody's around, you know, just talking to everybody. Pretty amazing. He, it seems like a lot of these big guys are like that. You know, you got all the, these Shaquille O'Neal's of the world, just the, like the lovable, fun, big guy. And I love that the NBA is... Not necessarily super getting back to that, and obviously we want perimeter shooters now, but DeAndre Ayton, who we'll talk about in just a moment, he seems like one of those guys, too, that wants to be at the forefront. I, I want the attention. Maybe not even a bad guy, like you said, Embiid, not drinking, not causing any issues, but he wants to be seen and wants people to enjoy his seven-foot two-ness, and I think that that's amazing. 
Ira, okay, so Barclays Center. I got to tell you, I think I'm one of 99% of sports fans who've never attended a draft, whether it be NBA, NFL. NFL, I think, would be drawn out. But the NBA draft really flies quickly. Tell us before you know we get into actually talking about it. What was it like at the Barclays Center? Well, it's it's very weird because it's only half the stadium. So they have the other half of Big Curtain. So you're only using half the whole arena. There's very few food stands set up. There's there's one place to buy merchandise, and it wasn't even that good for the draft merchandise you were trying to get. And but there are fans of all the teams. You would think it was only Knicks fans and Nets fans, but uh, there was as many Golden State fans there as anybody else. And it wasn't really totally filled up. It's hard to get these tickets. You have to go on StubHub and other sites. Ticketmaster had some. They leave blocks for families. But I always, I've been to this at 13 drafts. They used to have them at the Madison Square Garden, but not in the garden itself, but in the theater of the garden, the small little theater. And now it's at the Barclays Center. But, I mean, there might have been six, 7,000 people there. But I love going to it. It's just cool to be at the place and see the players. I mean, these are, this is the time when you have the players and their families uh, and it's not just their mom and dads, and or just a, there is their whole extended friends and families. A big, they, they've been playing basketball for a long, long time, and this is sort of like the graduation to go. Now you're going to be the NBA, so it's very cool to be there. So it's the opposite of the young man uh, who's drafted by Boston, who is at Buffalo Wild Wings the night before, slept at his mom's, and missed his uh, <laughs> missed his conference call the next day as he's introduced to the team. You know, speaking of the players, though, Ira, what were the you know what were these players doing before the draft? Do you think they were nervous? Were they having fun? What was that like? Well, what they do is you don't sit on the floor. So the stage is there, and when you see the green room, they used to have the quote green room in the NFL. They have it in the back, but the green room is right there in the front. So I'm sitting like 10 rows back, and right on the side, and so I could see, like anybody there could see everybody sitting there. Like it was just and all on, the main, on half the floors. If you think of a basketball court, take half the floor, and that's where everybody, the players... And the teams, the teams, there's some media there, but the teams, they get their picked in, but it wasn't like in the NFL draft where teams have all these big setups. It was mainly just the players and their families sitting on the floor and the fans sitting around it. But you, you could see everybody, and they, the players are great. They're walking around. They're talking to people in the stands. They're signing autographs. Like, this is the best time if you're, like, you know, a little kid who wants to get as many. People have these basketballs, and every, like, we're trying to get, you know, as many people as they possibly could to sign autographs. And some players who weren't invited to, quote, sit on the floor were in the stands. There were many people sitting in the stands, so you could be sitting next to somebody or, like, a few seats away, and that's, like, one of the players that could get drafted in the first round. And then he would have to rush down, like, in Price is Right. You know, your number's called, and then they have to mm. wait to, to go up on stage. Ira, you said you know extended families are encouraged to be there. They're holding blocks of tickets for them. What were the families you know doing you know with the players while you saw them hanging out? I thought it was so cool. They did something new this year. Is that the players? Before the draft started, and I don't know if they showed that on TV, but each player came out with his family, and they brought, they brought all the players that were down there in the green room, and they went on stage with their families and had them walk down and announced each one by alphabetical order. So not just by, like, you know, what the draft position. Aiton was first, which I thought, well, that's, did they think he's going to go number one? Fitting. And I thought it was very nice, and you could just see uh, a Holiday, Aaron Holiday came with both his brothers. Some people came with their little net nieces and nephews, and it was just cool. I mean, I, you just... Uh, these, ki- these kids are good kids. I mean, I want to say the players in the NBA, uh, they've been practicing. I have a lot of I have friends that have kids that are in the AAU circuit, and they are practicing. They're going to school. They get 
usually get very good grades because they want to stay in school and they want to stay on track and they want to go this for the first year. And it's very fairly disciplined. We talk about the AAU circuit and the Nike circuit and all the circuits and they play. These kids are playing so much basketball, they don't have time to get in trouble. They are really good kids. They, they are respectful and, uh, and, and, and their families are appreciative. I mean, so their families definitely have uh, invested a lot of time and effort in them, and they were just enjoy the, the joy of the, of the fathers and the mothers when they see their kids up there, just like it was anything, like any graduation would be. 710, this is Ira on Sports, 95.9, the true oldies. Channel Mike and Sean were here as well discussing the NBA draft, which took place last Thursday night. Still to come, LeBron's landing place. It's what everybody's talking about. We'll let you know what we think in just a minute. Ira on Sports. Also, the NBA awards are tonight at 9 p.m. I have a feeling we picked them all tonight. That's still coming up. You know, Ira, one of the <laughs> one of the big draws or the attractions or what everyone was talking about at the NBA draft was the clothes. I mean, you've got Trey Young dressing like Sean Lagrega, just trying to be garish, <laughs> trying to go over the top. Some of these outfits were fantastic, I. Uh, they were amazing. I mean, first of all, nobody wears socks anymore. I think the sock business is over because every, everybody had no socks. I was afraid they'd get blisters on their feet. But it, the suits were pretty cool. The interior of the jackets, what they were saying. Um, Wendell Carter uh, had an outfit out of Coming to America, it seemed like. <laughs> and, uh, and, his, and his mom and dad had the same outfit, too. So it was like, and uh, Jared Jackson Jr. had uh, uh, this jacket that was, like, glowing. And uh, it's pretty neat. I mean, you don't expect, but, you know, I think the NBA is very fashion conscious. It definitely brings people to look at it. And, uh, and the players, they walk across stage. It's a way to attract all different types of audiences uh, that are just interested. I mean, they're, they're colorful people, and they get to show their personality by what they wear. No, no, they do. Uh, the shorts from Trey Young was, was the worst choice ever. It's, it's funny. I live in South Florida. I try to never wear socks ever. However, when I'm wearing a suit, socks is the most important thing. It ties the whole suit together. I guess I'm just out of touch with, with fashion, and I guess that's, uh, that's pretty apparent. Anyways, Ira, you were texting Sean and I the picks before they came out. Um, you could pretty much tell who is going to be drafted just by being there. It was, it was so weird, and I knew before people even on Twitter knew. If you were just sitting there, because the cameramen, like they would be saying, okay, the pick is next pick. There's only five minutes, as you said earlier, five minutes between the first round. And the NFL, it's 15, and it's 10, and then it goes, it goes down. It's five minutes for the first round, two minutes for the second. So those, it goes pretty fast. But as the five-minute mark is going up, and, and by the time the person walks on stage, shakes Adam Silver's hand, it's time for another person to be announced. So it's really a very fast process. But you could see that the clock runs down, and they don't know who the pick is. But the cameramen knew, and there was like five or six cameramen, and they all started gathering around a table. So you had a good idea. You knew exactly yeah. what table they're getting around. And then I'm like waiting for someone who was like, oh, he's definitely going to this team. And I'm like, he's not going to this team because he's on the other side of the floor, and they're all, the cameras are there. They, had to, they knew before everybody else did before. And I was amazed that people didn't tweet that because you could just sit there and, that's and, what and I was just thinking. watch where the camera was going. Well, yeah. that's what I was thinking. You know, there was a lot of, um, I know ESPN had, a uh, you know memo go out that nobody that works for them was allowed to tweet anything before it happened. So I'm thinking to myself, this is the opportunity for someone like you, Ira, to become the new Twitter phenom <laughs> and just completely you know blow everything up for the, for the fans out there. You could have gained fifty thousand followers um, just from that. Tell us a bit about the second round picks. You know, a lot of these guys don't even attend, especially if they're on the bubble. But they were kind of coming right from the stands. Oh, uh, it was cool. I mean, they were. Uh, 
Uh, Tony Carr from Penn State, he was like in the stands, and they called his name. And now it's getting late. Now most of the fans are left. After the second round, people start to leave. So it's now it's like 11, 11.30, and people have been there since 7. So they've been there for four and a half hours. So there's not many people in the stands, but they get so excited. I mean, you're getting picked. Your name's getting announced. You're running up on stage. You have to go down the stands, go down the stairs, and get on the floor, and then go up to, to shake uh, Mark Hayden's hand, the deputy. Uh, but it was pretty neat. There might have been, this was the most second round picks I've ever seen seen at the draft. I mean, even the foreign players were all there. Usually you don't, they announce a foreign player, no one who they are, but there were a lot of foreign players that were there with their families and their friends and wearing the foot. It felt like they were at the World Cup game with all the flags and everything. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. Let's get into actually breaking this down. This is, you know, we talked about last week here on Iron Sports about how this is probably going to be some players in this draft that can really affect a franchise, and some of them ended up on the same team. Ira, who do you think was the biggest winner from draft day? I, I, you know, you want to say Aiton go to Phoenix. I, I think that's, that's where it probably, I mean, he seems to be one of the best players. I like the Mavericks getting Doncic uh, from uh, Serbia. I think he's going to be the star they made the trade for. it. Denver could be the big winner. Uh, Michael Porter falling to where Denver was. They just signed Jokic, who's 22 years old, to a $150 million contract, or they announced they're going to sign him to a $150 million contract. Denver's a really good team. They signed Michael Porter was the number one high school player in the country for like three years. That's like what LeBron was. I mean, if you look at the number one players in the country, like John Wall, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, uh, Andrew Wiggins, Ben Simmons, like, they don't, this is not really flubs. Like, if you're number one high school player in the country for three years, you're going to be a great player. He's had serious injuries. Teams are very concerned. He has back problems, hip problems. But he is totally talented, 6'9", can handle the ball, can shoot. I think Denver's opinion is we're going to stash him for a year, rehab him, get him better. If he comes back, if he's that elite star that people thought he was, if he is the approximation of LeBron James, then they're the huge winner from the draft because they drafted him with the 14th pick of the draft. You know, Ira, that's an interesting take on it. You know, and maybe the NBA is going that direction. I've been saying this for years. You're drafting 19-year-old kids, and there's an expectation when you're a top 15, 20 pick that you start from the beginning because this team needs help anyways but yeah maybe stash him and not that the 76ers wanted to stash Simmons or Embiid they did out of you know injury uh, issues but it obviously worked out there and this could be the same thing the kid is a phenom so it, it, obviously there's issues with his back that 13 teams passed on him the boos from the New York Knicks uh, yeah. fans really showed they weren't happy about it but we'll see what happens Sean McGregor is here with us Sean who's your biggest winner from draft day well I just want to touch on the Michael Porter um, because I do think Denver lucks out there but there have been reports that this will be a, uh, a red shirt year mm-hmm. for Porter they don't want to take the chance you know Ira brings up the great points I mean this was the number one high school player for a few years now I mean if you didn't know who my Michael Porter Jr. was, um, you know, leading up to this. I mean, his name was kind of everywhere. If you're in that AAU, you know, and, and, and college basketball scene, uh, seeing who the best players are, I mean, you just kept hearing Michael Porter Jr., and, and he is a phenomenal talent. But I think my biggest winners is two. It's, 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 a, it's a player and a team, and I'm going to go with the Mavs and Dennis Smith Jr. And the reason why I say that is because Luka Doncic is going to hide all his flaws as a point guard. He's he reminds me Dennis Smith Jr. could jump out of the gym, not not a great shooter, and he's and he's he's a dribble drive, uh, you know, shoot first point guard. Where Doncic is vision can shoot the three ball, which Dennis Smith can't. So now you you're pairing him with this explosive athlete with hmm. the vision of where, where you kind of see what like what, what Ben Simmons is right, you know, and how LeBron James takes over the game. That's the way Doncic plays, you know, and this kid's 19 years 
old, has proven it against professionals. He's been a pro since he was 15 years old. He's done things that no one's ever done uh, in Euro basketball. And I know it's it's not the NBA, but it's the closest thing in the world to the NBA. Absolutely. And he's proving that. So when you have a player in the mold of a Steve Francis or a Stephon Marbury, guys, when you, even John Wall, super explosive, can't shoot, um, plays a million miles an hour, but doesn't win. You have to pair him with a player that can slow the game down a little bit, see the entire court the way that Doncic will, and I honestly think that at number three, he, in, in my opinion, I know Aiden and, and, and Bagley went before him, but I, I, I think Doncic is the best player in this draft, and the Mavs uh, just pulled pulled one over everybody's uh, eyes. So. You've been on the Doncic train for a oh while now, I mean, he, and neither of us thought he'd even get the three. Yeah. Um, Ira, what do you think, though? Biggest loser. There's always a loser. Typically, it's the Knicks. I actually like Kevin Knox. Um, they're still going to be losers. One last point about Porter that Go was ahead. interesting is you could. I was sitting there, and he was only 20 feet away from me, and he did not know where he was going to go. Like, you could tell he, he was nervous on TV, know? Ira. He was nervous what? on TV. Oh, yeah. You could tell, yeah, you could tell it was, was getting to him. And I was staring at him, and he was, I thought he was going to get injured again because he was pushing <laughs> his chair back so much. And he kept rocking back in his chair, and I was waiting for his chair. And then in the middle, I think after the ninth pick, his agent gets up. His agent I was about to throw his cell phone. He's pacing back and forth. His mother was, the, I think, the leader of the group. His mother kept you know, pushing, putting her hand together in a fist and saying, you know, pumping him up and pumping him up. And his mother was great. His mother was keeping him calm and keeping the table calm and everyone around him. And uh, certainly when Denver picked him, he was, like, so relieved that he was picked. It was neat just to watch him and the pressure. But it just, it just you know, like, he doesn't, you know, look, if he ends up being the best player in the draft, Donovan Mitchell was the same position. I mean, one earlier at 13. So uh, you can go 14 and still be fantastic as a player. I think the biggest loser, I do want to say it's Knox. I feel like the Knicks at nine, I felt the Knicks can be bad. I think the Knicks were allowed to be bad this year. Uh, their star player, Persingas, is going to be out for the majority of the year, possibly. They really don't have any other players. Their play team is a lot of young players. They're get, waiting to get rid of some old contracts. Why not lose this year, keep your draft pick, and, uh, and get Porter and redshirt him? I just, I, I'm not a fan of Knox. Knox had 53 assists in 37 games. Against Buffalo in the NCAA, for, he played for Kentucky. He had eight points against 13 against Kansas State. Everyone says he's a great three-point shooter. He had 57 threes in 37 games. I mean, he's not really a passer. He's not a shooter. I think he's lazy. I, I, I'm not sold on him. I don't, for, the, for the ninth pick, I just feel like that they should. I thought Porter was there, and the fans were going crazy. After a while, everybody's team fans are saying, pick Porter, Porter, Porter. And, you know, they definitely booed Knox like they do booed Persingas. But <laughs> I just feel like Knox, I, I was not, I felt that was a, they're trying to make a safe pick. They should have made a gamble and went for Porter. Uh, Ira, are you implying that the Knicks made a mistake? Uh, this, that would be the first time. No, I mean, I will give some, you know, Credence to the New York fans, and I don't trust them at all. I mean, they were all up in arms because they wanted Emmanuel Mudiay instead of Chris Depp's Porzingis. Porzingis becomes an all-star. We have Mudiay now yeah. because he didn't work out at all in Denver. So I, I, don't, I don't trust the fans at all, but I agree with you on what you're saying, especially since this is basically a lost season for the Knicks anyways. Sean LeGregor, loser from the draft. I, it's, it's Michael Porter Jr., and, and in terms of losing, what I mean is by him, by, by the one-and-done rule, by him falling as far as he did, 
Six million guaranteed and about 26 million over the four years, the first four years that you signed. That's the difference between going one, two, and falling all the way to, I believe, what was it, 14 he went? Mm -hmm. So in terms of losers, I mean, it's it's him. I mean, he he lost out on all that money. I think he falls to a good team. Um, you know, I like Murray, uh, the point guard, shooting guard that they have, uh, 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 the center that they just signed. Um, that's That's been their joke, um, and he's phenomenal talent. So I think he went to a great team, but in terms of the business side, I mean, because that's what that's what the guy, these yeah. guys are in it for. You know, how do you not say a person that just lost six million guaranteed because of a one and done rule and the injuries that have popped up? I mean, I, I think it's a no brainer to, to go in that area. Seven twenty one, Iron Sports ninety five nine, True Oldies Channel. Mike and Sean here as well. Ira, like I said, I love the NBA draft simply for the trades, and you really never know. Well, this guy's been drafted by this team, and now he's not on that team anymore. What do you think was the most important or best trade of the evening? Well, there were two ma the major ones, which Sean just mentioned, was a Doncic trade, Trey Young. And it was confusing when you're there, because also it's funny when they're drafted, they put their hats on, yeah. and they're not really on the team, and people, so they're walking around with a hat. Whereas Atlanta, with the fifth pick, uh, traded, I mean, Dallas with the fifth, traded to get the third pick, and they swapped it. And then Trey Young went to the uh, Hawks, and Doncic was picked by Dallas. And Atlanta also got a first pick, Dallas's first pick, uh, next year and the year after. It's protected, meaning that if it falls in the first five, they don't get it, and it goes year after year. So I think that was interesting because Dallas really wanted Doncic, and, and Atlanta might have been happy with Trey Young. I mean, Atlanta said we like Young better than him, and they drafted Spellman from Villanova later. And my comparison, a little bit of Spellman, is Draymond Green. It seems like that's it. Like this could be because they compare Spellman to Draymond Green, and they compare Trey Young to Steph Curry. This could be what Golden State's doing, having the guard and having to do all forward. But Spellman played for Nova, you know, won the titles, was a leader just like Green was, and sort of does everything out there as a strong as a power forward, and then you have Trey Young. So that was an interesting trade. And the other trade was the uh, Bridges, Philadelphia trading back after they drafted Bridges from Villanova, and everyone went crazy. I thought it was one of the largest ovations. There were so many Sixer fans there, and everyone said Bridges from Villanova is going to Philadelphia. When they drafted him, everyone was excited. His mom works for the 76ers, so she was <laughs> excited, and then they yeah. trade him to the Suns. That was horrible. Uh, and because the Suns, and they for Zaire Smith from Texas Tech, and because the Suns, because Sixers said, look, we had a 1A, 1B, and the Suns gave us uh, uh, the Miami, actually Miami's number one pick for the following year, so they get Miami's pick for that for that draft. Ira, it's interesting you bring up um, how many 76ers fans were there, because two years ago, that could have been every single 76ers fan, and still wouldn't have been that many people. Gotta love how Philly works. Uh, Sean, what's your most important trade of the evening? I, it has to be the Mavs-Hawks, only because I think Doncic is, is the best player, and I think Trey Young, even where he's at, I know he gets a lot of backlash, but that's what we saw with Steph coming into the draft. I mean, you have to watch Trey Young play. Not only did it lead, uh, lead the country in points, he also led in assists. He makes the people around him better. I know that Oklahoma, you know, there, there was that run where I think they lost like 11 to 14. So I was like, how did that, how can we put him in the tournament? We spoke heavily about that, um, you know, uh, when, when March Madness was rolling around on the show. But when you watch Trey Young play, I mean, he is. He, he can is, make a difference. He's a phenomenal player. And, and, and we're seeing the way that 
the NBA is moving where the big guys, you know, if you're not if you're not a stretch big, there's no place for you in this league anymore. You know, so to go into that smaller, you know, guy who can, you know, anywhere from the arena, I mean, Trey Young can shoot. So um, I, I think just that, that could trade, be a downside. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I've seen I it. Just <laughs> think, I just think that that trade in terms of the, the two players that were involved with the two franchises, two, two franchises involved and what they're going to mean to those respected teams. I think that has to be the biggest one. Let's uh, wrap up the NBA draft with this. And it's tough. It's really tough to find second round talent in the NBA draft. It's I can't think off the top of my head the last guy to truly make an impact as a second rounder. Ira, it does happen. Who is your second round player who will make the biggest impact in the NBA? Well, Isaiah Thomas uh, was the last pick of the draft, and yeah. actually, so he was uh, from so they got for the Isaiah Thomas, Boston Celtic Isaiah Thomas. So it, you can, every now and then it's, it's weird. You, there's a couple players that, that stand out. I, I want to run through just the back end of the draft for one second. Dante defends Desenzio to the Bucks at 17. You know how much I like Milwaukee. I love this team. I think they're set. Perfect player for it. He, this is a guy that wasn't even supposed to be drafted when he was a play, He only started two games all year, and he had was the MVP of the most outstanding player of the tournament. Uh, Lonnie Walker, Miami to the Spurs. Uh, Miami Hurricanes to the Spurs at 18. Everyone likes that pick. I loved Grayson Allen at 21 to the Jazz. I think that's the perfect oh, that's a great spot for pick. him. It's a very, I think he's going to fit in there. I think they, they want shooting. Uh, Quinn Snyder is the coach there. He was a point guard at Duke. Grace Allen was a point guard at Duke. I think he's going to get it. Donovan Mitchell and Grayson Allen had some yeah. battles. battles. And yeah. Donovan Mitchell was there interviewing people. I don't know if you saw that interview on TV. He was interviewing everyone on TV. So you could actually hear the interviews. And he came over and they said, we had the, we've, you know, we, they had almost little, literally fights on the court. Now they're going to be teammates. And Mitchell was as gracious as everything about Grayson Allen. I like Mo Wagner at Lakers at 25. I think he's from Michigan. I thought he was a great pick. And the Celtics at 27 to get Robert Williams from Texas A&M. What they perfectly needed, a big center. So he's going to be someone you're going to see. That's what they had problems with at Cleveland. They couldn't get the rebounding. The rebounding problems, he's one of the best rebounders in college basketball. Surprised he uh, fell that late. Really surprised he he fell that late. Right, and then the Nets got Musna from Bosnia, who's a great shooter. He's averaged 22 points in Europe. He's sort of like Doncic light a little bit. People talk about him. But I think in a Brooklyn team that needs scoring, uh, I think that he's going to score a lot of points. And uh, Brown of Miami, I think for a second-round pick, I would say Brown of Miami went to the Pistons uh, later. People really thought that Brown was going to be, you know, first-round pick. I thought that was, and I think he fits in well with the Pistons. Uh, it was interesting to note that Trayvon Duvall, the point guard at Duke, wasn't drafted. Uh, Newman from Kansas, their star, wasn't drafted. Trier of Arizona wasn't drafted. And Bonzi Colesman of Notre Dame wasn't even drafted. I mean, these are guys that you watch college basketball all year, and they're front and center, and they weren't even drafted. And so that was pretty interesting. But I would say that Brown of, my, of the Hurricanes was, I think, going to the Pistons second round, you, I could see him making an impact on that team. I was interesting, you know, something you brought up, and I agree with everything you said, but it's interesting how it's so much different, you, how important your second round pick is when you're you're a contender. You know, the Celtics grabbing a piece that they were missing and Utah grabbing a spot-up shooter. These were good teams already, and this might be what gets them over the hump, whereas you have the, the Knicks who just perennially, perennially take guys that never even see the floor because it's just a, a, just a mess, and there is no role for them. They're taking people just to maybe be trade chips down the line. Sean? Round two player that you think can maybe do something in the NBA? Well, well Jalen Brunson, the Villanova point guard going to Dallas, is he an impact starter? No, but he's going to be a guy that's going to be in the NBA for 10 to 12 years because he's just a solid player, smart, basketball uh, instincts and IQ through the roof. Got to love that pick. Um, 
Knicks, you talked about Knicks picking Mitchell Robinson. I mean, this is a guy who hasn't played basketball in a year. Um, you know, sat out. There was a lot of things going on, but was a former five-star center, uh, high school All-American. I mean, he played with the Aitons of the world and, and the Bagleys, and you know, and he he balled out. So definitely a high upside pick. Something that the Knicks don't technically do go for straight you know and, and that's what I like Fizdale bringing to this team it's about growing um, you know with the youth and and really uh, basketball development so I did like that pick uh, one more that I did like yeah I like the Bruce Brown pick going there because I thought that was really good value but DeAnthony Melton USC point guard slash shooting guard not really a great scorer but he's a lockdown defender going to the Houston Rockets, um, you know, so he could kind of replace mm-hmm. Eric Gordon. He's a, he can hit a spot up three, but the defense that he brings and you add to that team, I mean, that's what you really saw the difference between Golden State and Houston when Houston got in trouble was they just couldn't defend. So I, I think that pick solely was with Golden State in mind. But, um, you know, those are just a few that I that I thought um, really high, uh, really high of. Um, let's get into it, guys. Um, this is Iron Sports 729, True Oldies Channel. Mike and Sean, we are here. LeBron James. <laughs> it's all you hear about anywhere you go. Nobody's talking about anything in the world of sports except LeBron and where he's going to sign. LeBron doesn't want a circus around it, but I'm sure he'll have uh, 15 uh, media <laughs> media outlets at his house or wherever he decides to do this, at Buffalo Wild Wings or whatever. We talked about the Lakers last week and, and why... You know, what would be the pros and cons of signing there? Is it possible? Do they have the players that he would want to play with? Let's try to go quickly through these, uh, through some of the other teams, potential landing spots for LeBron. Ira, we could start with you. The Houston Rockets. This would probably be the spiciest landing, sp- uh, landing spot. Do you think they have what it takes? And could you see it happening? Well, I think it, it could happen. They, they have a contract that they, uh, Ryan Anderson's contract, they have to get rid of to sign him. Uh, Chris Paul has supposedly best friend in the NBA besides Wade, plays for the Rockets. But the, the, the style of play with D'Antoni, shooting the threes, run and gun, it's not his style. I, I don't think he fits in well with that. Uh, when D'Antoni coached Kobe, it didn't work. And I'm not saying LeBron and Kobe, their style is completely different, but it's just, he's not a run and gun, shoot three type player. I don't think he fits in well there. Uh, and I don't think he's going to go there. I, I think it was a different. I think if the situation was a little different with a different coach and different style, that he would potentially go there. But I just don't see him fitting in with a run and gun three point shooting team. I agree with you. It, it, it would change the dynamic. And you know they always say he needs guys around him that can create their own shots. And obviously James Harden can create his own shot. But I, I don't know if that fits Sean Houston Rockets as a landing spot for LeBron. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if that happens, Capella's obviously gone. They have to shed Ryan yeah. Anderson. So is it a fit? Yeah, but the, the problem is is the way Houston plays with that high pick and roll, um, those guys need balls in their hand. You know what I mean? Chris Paul needs the ball in his hand. Uh, um, Harden needs the ball in his hand. So does LeBron. You know, LeBron works best when he has the ball in his hand. So I just don't think that it's a, it's a fit because they'll make it work because the town is so amazing. Mm-hmm. And D'Antoni did really a good job of kind of running two different offenses. Like, okay, we're going to give it to Chris Paul for this spell. We're going to give it to Harden for this spell. But to add a LeBron into that, I don't know how that will work. So I don't think it's a great fit only because the way the, the playing style is there and the two guys that are already there. Ira, this one's interesting to me. The San Antonio Spurs, we don't really know what's going to happen with Kawhi Leonard, although we'll talk about it in just a moment on Ira on Sports. Do you see the Spurs as a landing spot? I think the Spurs could have been a landing spot 
earlier. I think if the, the players were put together, he really likes Greg Popovich. Popovich, I think, would be the type of coach that would Absolutely. extend his career. I think he's the type like we do with Tim Duncan, David Robinson. Uh, that's why it's so shocking that Kawhi Leonard doesn't Kawhi Leonard doesn't want to be there because uh, Popovich has shown that he's been able to, to to work with. He doesn't work them hard in practice. He doesn't. He gives them days off. He's the the pioneer of resting players. Uh, and he certainly his political views align with what LeBron has been saying. He's he's made comments in the past, you know, supporting LeBron constantly. And I think they seem to get along. I don't know how close they are, but they seem to get along. I think it would fit in well with Popovich. But San Antonio just doesn't feel like the glamour city for him that he would have to be in. And I don't know. The team is in such turmoil now with Kawhi. Is he going to stay, not stay? Uh, they could do this. There is a, there's money-wise with getting rid of Tony Parker's contracts and some other contracts. They could do it. I just don't, I don't know. I don't think he's going to go there. Sean, what about you? I don't think it's the most likely of landing spots, but if you can get Kawhi to stay, that team's good. Yeah, I just I don't think I don't think Pop and LeBron mesh well. You know, uh, Pop is a very dictatorial type of coach. Um, it's his way or the highway. I think that's what um, Kawhi is kind of. Um, you know, is running into right now, and that's the issue that's there. It's the way um, how it's kind of run. It's more of like a Bill Belichick. This is no fun. You go in, you bring your lunch pail, and you go to work. Where LeBron, obviously, even when he was in Miami, um, and then back with the Cavs, is pretty much the head coach, and he wants a lot of say in in what goes on. And the Spurs don't run their organization like that. Um, so I don't see it as a fit at all. Um, but you know what I mean. Stranger things have happened. But I, I, I think I think the Kawhi situation in San Antonio is so bad right now that there's no way he stays. Um, and I just don't see LeBron, even though he respects a coach like Pop. I don't think he's going to play for a guy like Pop. Ira, I think the sexiest possible landing space has to be the Philadelphia 76ers. It, it it's just what everybody wants to see. You, you know what I mean? He, he gets to stay in the East, play with two of the most exciting players in the Eastern Conference. What do you think, Ira? Is Philly a landing spot for LeBron? Look, people are talking about it. I, I, the, the city has no connection to LeBron at all. He is connected to Ben Simmons. I think he really likes Ben Simmons. I think that I think four years from now he could go to a team that's young to be a more of a leader like that. But he's still the elite player on the team. I still think he's the dominant player. I don't think he wants to waste time mentoring kids at, at this point right now with Simmons and Embiid. I, I, I just don't see him. I, I, I think it fits. He'll, he actually works well with the Sixers, with the big center and Simmons, and, and they can get shooters around there, and I think he likes the coach a lot. So that's why people think Philadelphia is definitely a possibility. But I don't know if he wants to be on a team where your two star players are so young at, with him at this point in his career. I think, I think a couple years from now, if he's still in the league, still playing, at a, averaging 20 points a game, then he might fit in where he'll play a third role or a fourth role. But he's still, the, whatever team he goes on, he's a dominant player. It doesn't matter. So I don't think it fits. I don't think, I think he would feel uncomfortable there. And I don't think this city, I don't think this, I just don't see him. I, as people are talking about Philadelphia being like the third option, I don't, I don't see him going to Philly. Only the connection to Simmons is the only reason why he would go there because he really likes Ben and he's, his agent represents him. But besides that, I don't see him going to Philly. You know, it's interesting you talk about Philly maybe not embracing LeBron. What does Philly embrace? Bar fights and punching horses? Like, what is this city known for? Um, Sean, can you make a case for him going to play with Embiid and Simmons? Yeah, I mean, it, it, the only thing I would say, I think 
Kawhi and Paul George are better fits there because they don't need to bring the ball up. Ben Simmons is a clone of LeBron James, just younger and 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 I would say just not as fast and strong. I mean, so so you're talking about a fit as well. Could he fit in there? Of course, but I just don't think the way he needs to bring the ball up is, and especially with Simmons because both of those guys aren't outside shooters. So it's so you're going to get into that Houston Rocket type of mold where you got two guys that need the ball in their hands. So I think that it's definitely more likely to see Kawhi Leonard go in there or even a Paul George. And honestly, if I'm the Spurs, I think that's where Kawhi goes. They've already said we're not going to trade him in the West, so forget the Lakers. If he would sign off on going to the Sixers, you know, and, and signing for multiple years, you know, in a sign and trade, I mean, they have the pieces. I mean, they've already talked about giving up uh, Dario Sar- uh, 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 Saric, yeah. Fultz, Covington, Bayless, and and then um, I believe it's the 2021 20, Heat's first rounder. I mean, that's an amazing haul. The only other team that could really offer more was the Celtics, but I just think that Philly's in that mode where they're willing to give up those guys because outside of Fultz, who you know we've seen, you know, got a case of the the yips and forgot his shooting touch. A lot of those guys are are, are replaceable. I don't think Covington's that great of a player. Bayless is a great veteran uh, leader there, and even Dara Saric uh, hasn't turned out to be what he is. You know, and to give up a first rounder and now you're trotting out JJ Redick with Simmons, uh, Kawhi, Embiid. I mean. That that is a, a potent yeah. potent team right there. Um, so I definitely think Kawhi is a better fit for Philly than than LeBron. You know, it's interesting what you say too, Sean. It's a bunch of failed 76ers projects, and not even that we want to call Mark uh, Markel Fultz a failure yet, but he's the number one overall pick. If there's anybody in the league that would like to take on a bunch of young talent and groom them, it's Popovich. Yeah. So that that does make some sense to me. Ira, you are a huge huge Heat fan. And I think most of that was from when LeBron was here. Can you see LeBron getting back to South Beach? None. I think there's zero chance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, none. I, I, that came up, but I just, I think it was, it was, he was able to put it together there, but I just, no. I, I mean, I think he likes Miami. He probably buy houses here, all that other stuff, but I don't see him coming. The Heat have a, Heat are, as we've gone over the show many times, we're not going to repeat it again right now, but is that they are in salary cap. They're locked. They have these yeah. players. They, they can't sign free agents. Even Pat Riley said, we're just going to try to develop our own players. And the Heat have a problem. I mean, they had no draft picks this draft. They had nobody draft. They couldn't draft. They, they, are, they are locked in some really bad contracts. And until the, until the, it takes them a couple of years for these contracts to, to go away, uh, they're not going to be able to do much. And they probably cannot make – I mean, Spolster's a great coach. They have enough talent to probably make the playoffs. But they're in that, that stage where they're like the 6th, 7th, 8th seed. And that's not going to you know, lose in the first or second round. That's what's going to happen. You know, it's interesting you bring up no draft picks. Every Heat fan – you weren't here, obviously. You're jet-setting. Um, most – people here were just like anxiously at the edge of their couch like when are they going to make a move Riley's going to make a move they they have to have a draft pick I'm glad that they didn't sit with what you have there is nobody you're going to what are you going to trade assets for I mean not like nobody's going to take on Hassan or or Tyler Johnson but there's nothing you can do with a 25th overall pick that's going to drastically change your franchise don't give up picks in the future for something like that sean miami that's not going to happen right yeah it's funny that uh, you know when when we put this together i'm looking at my notes i just have in bold in all caps no it's not happening. <laughs> that was, that's my response to that. I just don't see it. The way the relationship ended, the way Riley came out and kind of attacked LeBron uh, for, for leaving and the things he said, 
I don't want to say it was worse than Gilbert because I thought Gilbert, what he did was yeah. you know, inexplainable. But, you know, LeBron's from Cleveland, so he can look past that where, you know, it was more, okay, yeah, I understand I came here and we did this, but guess what? I was still the best player on that team and I was the one that carried him this far. So, um, you know, for you to say that you did it instead of me, I, I think, LeBron, there's there's no way and there's just not enough talent. Cap room, absolutely no way. 739 Ira on Sports, 95.9 True Oldie Channel, Mike and Sean discussing where LeBron will end up. You know, Ira, this is where it gets spicy. Boston. I, I mean, it, there'd be a lot of things, a lot of hoops to jump through, but this team has a lot, a lot to give. Can you see this happening? There's a possibility, because there are veterans on that team. So, I mean, there's the young because Al Horford's a veteran, and he likes, and he likes Terry Rozier a lot. He's certainly not going to play with Kyrie Irving, but yeah. there's, there, is, there is, like, everyone thinks it's going to be Cleveland or Lakers. But it's always exciting because when they make the announcement, like you're going to be, you're, you know where you are when you hear the announcement. Like I know when LeBron made his first decision, I was in Cape May, New Jersey. I was with an eight-year-old Cleveland, my family, and one of my friend's families, and they had an eight-year-old son who was the biggest LeBron fan, and he's crying, and his dad has to go up and yeah. console him. You know, I just, I will never forget where I was when LeBron announced the decision, you know, to come, and I also, and also know where I was when he announced the decision to come back to uh, to Cleveland. So. I think it's going to be interesting, you know, what Boston is intriguing, but it would have to be without, I mean, Kyrie Irving is definitely going to have to be traded for someone else. Yeah. LeBron, they have the cap room for LeBron to come there. They'd be scary. With Brad Stevens as his coach, oh, with, with Tatum, uh, with Brown, and uh, with Horford and Rozier, uh, that is a team that could potentially beat the Golden State Warriors. So that could work. But I don't think he's going to go to Boston. But it's interesting because that might be the best team that he could go to. I agree with you there. I think they'd be the best possible team. Uh, veterans surrounded by young guys, and you've just got everything working for you, obviously, minus Kyrie. Sean, can you make a case for Boston? Um yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they between Philly and Boston, they have the most to offer to any team that's looking for one of these superstars, whether it's LeBron, Kawhi, or PG. Um, I don't see it happening because Kyrie's there. So if it was to go down, Kyrie's definitely not going to go back to Cleveland. So it would have to be a three-team blockbuster. Yeah. Um, and Kyrie would have to, yet again, put his name down somewhere. And, you know, I I know he had – we were the Knicks were the number one spot he wanted to be traded to. But the Knicks don't have the assets, so I can't see Boston happening. But I do see Boston uh, being a player for one of the other guys. That makes yeah, that makes sense because yeah, the there's yeah, no way you're going to swap agents, Kyrie yeah. back. Um, well, it would have to be. It would have to be. The, the, I've thought about this so much. It would have to be that Kyrie would go. This would be like the biggest blockbuster trade they talk about 20 years from now. But it would have to be Kyrie would go to like the Knicks. And a three-way trade in Porzingis, then would go to the Cavaliers. Yeah, so they, like they would be a trade where the Cavaliers say we're going to start from scratch, and the Knicks are like, we really need box office right now, and we want Kyrie as our point guard. And they would actually make a trade like that, where I think they, I think the only way they get Kyrie to go there and sign, he has another year on his contract. But I thought it was very interesting. We talked about this before. That Kyrie was not in Game Seven, was not on the bench, and then they talk about, you know, then he says at press conference, "I do want to be here, but I really like New York." And I mean, he's the player with the movie. Uncle Drew is the big movie out there, so he's this big star. I, I, he's not embracing Boston as much as I think they would want him to be the leader. Uh, it'll be that there is. I would say that Boston is a 
very dark horse, very, very dark horse candidate. But if it happened, what would that be? That would be, everyone would talk about that forever. Yeah, and I, and, and, and I definitely think Kyrie ends up at the Knicks at some point. I just don't see the Knicks getting involved in that because of the way Fisdale wants to, to, to groom this team, uh, as he did with the, with, with the Heat when he was with the Heat and he was assistant here, you know. And that's how he ended up with Tyler Johnson and these guys in Hassan Whiteside. You know, they went down and said, hey, let's, let's take these young guys and let's build from within. And even going to, to, to Mills, the, the GM, I mean, that, that's where they're going. So when you hear that we're on Kawhi, uh, the Knicks are on Kawhi's uh, preferred list, one of them. Uh, we're the number one spot for Kyrie. Why do what we did for Carmelo, give up a ton of assets, give up picks, when we know these guys are pending free agents? Kyrie, not for nothing, when you even just look at the way he dresses, he's not a Boston guy. He's not a gritty guy. He wants big city, bright lights, New York City, wants to play in the garden. He's from New Jersey. He's right around the corner. He grew up a Knicks fan. His dad's a diehard Knicks fan. So I just don't see the Knicks mm-hmm. going after that or even helping Boston land a LeBron James by taking on Kyrie and then having to give up Porzingis. You know, they're looking at it like, hey, we're giving up this year anyway because Porzingis ain't coming back at least till January or February of the season. So by that time, I mean, we're going to be in the bottom okay. of the barrel anyway. We'll be 2-50. and 50, Exactly. Yeah. So if, <laughs> if they just wait the year and, and, and Kyrie's not going anywhere or doesn't get traded, he is a pending free agent. And, you know, now we can get him and keep the assets. So that's the way the Knicks are looking at it. So I like the idea of it. I just don't see the Knicks actually doing it because they've come out and said it multiple times. We're going to grow through within. We're going to do it the right way. The old regime's out. We've taken over and, 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 I hope to God they don't do it so we can actually build the right way. Let's go on the record here on Iron Sports. I, uh, he does have to make a decision by the 29th, correct? He needs to... Uh, Friday, yeah. Yeah, inform the Cavaliers of what his plans are so we will know what's going to happen essentially by the, the, our next show next Monday night. Ira, where do you think LeBron plays next year? I don't know. We don't. He's going to announce. Even if he announces he's not going to Cleveland, they could still. Yeah. They could. They, there's a way he could. We don't. We won't know exactly. He's made a decision on the 10th and the 8th before. Uh, the rumor is that he'll make it by the 4th. Um, that you know that I think. But I think he'll. I think he's going to choose the Lakers. I think it's going to. I think it's really close between the Cavaliers and Lakers, and I think it comes down to the Lakers. I think he wants to be there, and that's without. And then he's going to work with them in building this team. I think he trusts Rob Palinka, the general manager, who was Kobe's agent. I think he trusts Magic Johnson. Uh, I think the Lakers are going to give him freedom to run the show, and, and he's used to. And the Lakers are used to stars being there. He is going to be the star. It's going to help him with his empire, his kid, family. He he's talking about his family. His kids like playing on those schools on the AU circuit out there. So there's a lot of positive reasons why. Um, I, you hear this week, this is the first time I've been hearing stuff about Cleveland. They might trade for Kemba Walker. Uh, Jalen Rose mentioned he might do a one-and-one one where he'll come back to Cleveland for one more year and see the, what the landscape is. And that is a possibility, too. But I just think he'll go to, to the Lakers. I think it'll be in the Lakers. I think we'll know by the July 4th that he'll be at the Lakers. If he does go to the Lakers, I want him to get the sick pair of Rex specs and channel his inner <laughs> James Worthy because that would really just make it for me. Sean, what about you? Where's LeBron going to end up? I think he stays. I really do. I just don't think that... You think that, that the drafting of Sexton helps, too. Uh, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, I called it on the show before. I said it, you know, because that's a guy that they need. I mean, that's that's the scary Terry. That's your Marcus Smart. That's your Bulldog that the Cavs haven't had. I'll tell you right now, I think they look drastically different going into next year and there's already been reports that he's calling guys to say hey you want to come here you know he's making those phone calls as opposed to you know being entertained other places and even with the Lakers okay he goes to the Lakers why do you want to go up against Houston who's proven it 
Golden State and have to go through them where even if you're still looking at, you know, a young Sixers team, a young Boston team. And, and by the way, the Boston team that's going to be in the playoffs next year isn't the Boston team that took them to seven. I know you're going to have Hayward back and, you know, he's an upgrade over a starting Marcus Smart. You have Kyrie who's an upgrade over Rogier, But it's still, it's still a different team that has to gel together. Um, I just don't think with everything that he's at, where he is in his career, I just don't see him leaving Cleveland. Um, and I think, you know, a Paul George might even end up going there. I think that's what's going to happen. I think he'll stay and he'll pull one of these big free agents. They'll make some moves. They'll get some. They'll get. They'll get younger, but veteran young. Um, and a guy like Colin Sexton, you know, uh, whether he's starting or not, is definitely a, a good piece that he sees. It's like, okay, this is the type of tough kid we needed, and I'm happy we drafted him. Paul George would be when, when Sean. Sean, when Sean, when you were talking about that, when the first decision came, when he went to Miami, he was trying to get Wade and Bosch to come to Cleveland, and they didn't want to come to Cleveland. Bosch uh, said, yeah. "No, I want to come." And they all decided to then go to Miami instead, and also he went Carmelo, and that was because it was a mess because they didn't. Boozer had left to go to Utah, but this you're right. LeBron is in a much more powerful position now to get whoever he oh, wants. Of course, I mean, yeah. he clearly was. So I think that he could get if. I'd be surprised if Paul George went there. I'd be surprised, but the point is that I think he is in powerful position to try to, and I don't think it is. Uh, Cody Altman, who's the general manager of the Cavaliers, has said all the right things. We, you know, we're not pressuring LeBron. He knows what we have here. He's great. He's just, I mean, it's like everything he says is like so perfect. It's like, boy, you really are. You know, you've learned. You know, you've always said, you know, we appreciate everything done. If he decides to leave, that's great. We love him no matter what. He's he's done so much for our city. You know, it's all the right things he's been saying. Yeah. That not like, well, if he leaves, we're going to be great anyway, you know, all those type of things. So, I, yes, I agree that there is that. And I, people like Jalen Rose come out there and said he's going to do a one-on-one. I don't think he's going to sign this long-term deal, but maybe come back for a year until yeah. the Lakers situation firms up a little bit and sees how the league shakes out. 748, this is Ira on Sports, 95.9 True Oldies Channel. we got to start flying here, guys. Let's run through the NBA awards. And I, I think Rookie of the Year, Ira, of course, I think this is a two-horse race. Who are you taking? Uh, I think Mitchell has to win it. I, I, I think, but it, again, the award shows tonight is for the regular season. I think for the playoffs, I think Mitchell would have won for Utah. Uh, he was at the draft. He is a, a superstar in the league. He was interviewing people, walking around. He was one of the few NBA players that was at the draft. Everybody loved him. I mean, the guy plays in Utah. He loves playing in Utah, and mm-hmm. he's a superstar. That just shows the power of the NBA. When someone who's playing in a market like Salt Lake City, not on television, not on Prime, not when we can see, he's playing at 1030, and everyone there knew he was. He was fantastic. Uh, I think he is great. I think he had a great year, uh, 20 points, four rebounds, four assists. Amazing. You know, the playoffs don't count. I don't think it matters in the end. I think he wants to be the first one to be the MVP, not the Rookie of the Year. But it'll be interesting. They'll be comparing these two players, Simmons and Mitchell, for years to come. It looks like Simmons might win, but I would give it to Mitchell. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that really impressed me about Donovan Mitchell on draft night, and I'll paraphrase, he sent out a tweet along the lines of, to all you guys that aren't getting drafted top ten, just know this could happen. Yeah. Meaning, look at what happened to me as pick 13. So don't think because you're pick 20, you can't be a superstar. And that showed me a lot of class out of Donovan Mitchell. Sean, I have a feeling your rookie of the year might go towards uh, our boy, though. Yeah. Well, well, I, I want to just talk about uh, Donovan Mitchell because I would talked about him being there. And every time he spoke, I mean, this is a guy with wisdom beyond his years. I mean, he's just – he is not a rookie. I mean, he he's just well put together, well spoken, does it the right way. And the thing is this. When you talk about top 10 picks, if you go outside the top 10, you usually go to a better team. So – you put yourself in a better situation with a better uh, with better surrounding cast. Um, 
I want to also point out, too, because I just got this alert. So I don't know if you guys saw, but Donovan Mitchell had the, the rookie with the question mark campaign through Adidas, and he kept questioning, well, is Ben Simmons really a rookie because he kind of had that red shirt <laughs> first year? So he actually showed up in a van that had a pixelated rookie with the question mark on it. Um, so he's already trolling Ben Simmons. But I think it has to be Ben Simmons. I mean, he averaged 15, 8, and 8 with over one and a half steals a game. You know who's done that? LeBron. Uh, Russell Westbrook, Magic, yeah, and Michael Magic. Jordan. I mean, these are the people that that have done what 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 Ben Simmons has done. So. Um I don't agree with because he did have that rookie year, and even though he was hurt, he was still around the team. He was involved in meetings, so he was getting that knowledge and obviously in, in shootarounds and walkthroughs and all that stuff. But the precedent was set when Blake Griffin had his uh, his essentially his rookie year canceled, uh, redshirted, and then won it um, that following year. So there is precedence for this, but I mean, I just think in terms of what Ben Simmons does, what he means to the team, and obviously Donovan Mitchell is the Utah Jazz at this point. But I just think Ben Simmons just affects so many areas of the game uh, and just makes every single person around him better um, that, that I, I think it's, it's, it's definitely going to be Ben Simmons. I'd be surprised if Donovan Mitchell won it. Um, I already think, who's your coach of the year? Because uh, the coach of the year decided by them was fired. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, th I think Stevens will win. I, yeah. I, as much as I think uh, Quinn Snyder of Utah has tremendous year losing Gordon Hayward and putting the year that he had but Stevens is you know we're looking at a legend we're looking at Belichick right here and yeah. I, I think again this is a, this is one of those categories I think I only like defensive player rookie and MVP the rest I don't I think are ridiculous coach of the year is whoever wins the title Steve Kerr is the coach of the year he won the title that's to me that's the coach of the year but I think Steve Brad Stevens of Boston will win Shawnee coach of the year yeah no I think it's Brad Stevens to to do what he did pretty much all year with the the young cast I mean we forget even though Jalen Brown's been in the league three years he's 21 I mean Jason Tatum is a is an emerging superstar so for him to get the most out of those guys the, the biggest free agent last year Gordon Hayward losing him in the first game of the season I mean so just the job that Brad Stevens does will continue to do guys phenomenal uh let's um jump right to defensive player of the year and this is really important. The more the NBA evolves, I think defense is more important than ever, especially because most guys don't play it. Ira, Defensive Player of the Year. Well, it's Anthony Davis, uh, Embiid, and Gobert. And I'm going to give it to Davis just because he played. I think Gobert uh, for Utah is maybe the best defensive player, but he only played yeah. 56 games. Uh, Davis played 75. He played 20 more games. I think you get it. I think Embiid's defense is, is here and there. I think this is a slam dunk. I think the, I, you know, this is about as clear as any award. Is I think Davis is, is, uh, is he had 11 rebounds, two and a half blocks. I mean, the stats are the similar, but he just played more games than everybody else. Uh, Sean, what about you? Defensive rookie of the uh, player of the year? Yeah, I think it comes down to Davis and, and, and Gobert. I think Gobert is uh, the better defender overall, but Ira brings up good points in terms of games played. And it, it's kind of like this, right? We, we, we always get into certain awards, and it's like, you know, how does Michael Jordan not win the MVP every year? How does LeBron not win it every year? The, the NBA is one of those. Um, you know, uh, 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 sports where they want to elevate other people. Anthony Davis has been on the brink of superstardom, um, and they've been talking the brow up this whole time. So I think they'll give it to him, one, because he deserves it, but two, they want to put him on that pedestal. And for him to go out and they, and, and they swept the Blazers in the playoffs, you know, the, uh, he had a good, a, a decent, he had a decent series against um, uh, Golden State. So I think that it'll, it'll definitely lean towards uh, Anthony Davis. Uh, do you think the NBA and also, um, you know, Major League Baseball, maybe to another point, whereas football is not like this, they do look for that. They look for the guy that, man, this guy really did everything yeah. he possibly could this year. LeBron's the best player on the planet. He technically should be it. But that's why it's most valuable, not best, you know, when you're, when you're considering things like that. Uh, what about 
MVP, Ira, since we just brought it up. It's a two-horse race. Who are you taking? I'm LeBron. I think LeBron should be the MVP. He played all 82 games. Uh, his stat lines, I, I mean, he was a 54% shooter. Harden was 44%. They both shot 37% from threes. Uh, and assist-wise, LeBron actually had more assists than Harden, 9.1 to 8.8. He had more rebounds, 8.6 to 5.4. I know his team won uh, 52 games, and, and Harden's uh, team won 60, 50. LeBron won 50, and Harden won 65. Uh, Harden certainly had a better cast than LeBron did. This is one of LeBron's, probably his best season. He hasn't won the MVP in five years. He's only won four. It's interesting. His fifth would tie Michael Jordan. Uh, but I think it, I think I, you know I think he should win it. I did forget the playoffs. I think regular season wise, I think what he had to go through with his team and and uh, and to get it dragged in the playoffs and play so great. I think LeBron should get it. But they're going to give it to Harden because they gave it to Westbrook over Harden last year, and Harden's like the next up. Yeah. So that's why I think it'll go to Harden. But I think LeBron deserves it. Sean, how you going with this? No, and 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 that's you know Ira brings up a good point. I mean LeBron James is the best player in the universe, but James Harden, best record in the NBA. Uh, LeBron was the fourth seed in the East. Um, you know, uh, Harden was just uh, under, and he was the media favorite last year too. And they still gave it to Westbrook. Think about mm-hmm. this too. I want to point this out too. Westbrook's not even in, isn't even one of the the finalists for this award, and he averaged a triple double again. That just shows you the way that this award goes. It's kind of like, all right, well, we don't want to give it to LeBron every year. That's how you end up with you know Derrick Rose of the Bulls winning it that one year. You know, when LeBron had the better season. So that's why I say. LeBron's the best player in the world. It's going to Harden, and it's not even going to be close. 756, Iron Sports, 95.9, True Oldies Channel. Shocker, we're going to go a little bit over on this show. No way. No <laughs> way. Um, speaking of shockers, the World Cup is underway. It's been a good one so far. I, I'm glued to my TV. Can't wait for the knockout stages uh, to start on Wednesday. Sean, what's your biggest shocker through the group stages? Ar- Argentina. I mean, you get Group D, and you get Croatia, Nigeria, and Iceland. And you don't win a game. You, you draw <laughs> Iceland, which I couldn't believe. Messi misses a PK, and they get embarrassed uh, by, by Croatia. I just, I just can't believe that Argentina has played as poorly as they have throughout this, and Messi really hasn't shown up. I mean, you, you go through the debate of Ronaldo versus Messi. Ronaldo's balled out this entire you know World Cup, and Messi just hasn't shown up. I understand Portugal's talent level is, uh, is, is better than Argentina, but even the players in Argentina, I mean, these are all world-class players. And for whatever reason, Messi can't get over the hump. I mean, it, uh, 2014, they lost in the final. Uh, he had a good run there, but he, he particularly didn't play that well. So that's where I think when it comes to the big stage Messi has yet to really perform or have his moment in the FIFA World Cup and to be talked about as the best player of his generation you need that moment but you know what you, you know to, to play devil's advocate here Ronaldo hasn't he, he had a great first game they drew with Iran today yeah so it's not all my friends know that I'm big into soccer and a lot of them you know like to wager whether it's for money or not um, so they'll ask me Mike who's going to win this all I really like Portugal I really like Spain I like Argentina you know what I like teams that play together teams that are established teams that know how to feed off each other Spain has never done that Portugal never does that it's the Cristiano Ronaldo show meanwhile he's got 10 of the best players in the world behind him Argentina's the same way they're much more talented than any team yeah. in their group they can't play together like Nigeria can well, the they, one- they can't put things together yeah. like some of these teams can. Germany won the World Cup. Granted, they've got some good players. Not one of them is one of the, in the top ten players in the, in the world. 
All these guys are on their teams, on islands by themselves, not advancing. You know, speaking about Germany, Ira, I know you took in Germany. Uh, it was Germany, Sweden, and this was a good one. That was exciting. I mean, it was like one of those walk-off. I mean, you don't see that in soccer where you have like a walk-off shot like in basketball where Germany, who was defending champion, was about to, could have been eliminated. They didn't really know what Mexico was going to do. And it was, it was tied, and they inbounded the, the, the ball, and they kicked it back to the person who inbounded, which is the play they run in the NBA all the time where the inbounder throws it to somebody, and then he throws it back to the person who inbounds it. I mean, that's why you see LeBron, quote, inbounding the ball sometimes because he throws it to someone so he can get the ball back. And it was an amazing twisty uh, kick, and it was like almost a, it was almost a walk off uh, goal because there was only a few seconds left in the game. Uh, that was pretty amazing. I, I'm amazed. You know what's cool about soccer is that everybody has TVs on for it. Like I go to these bars, these restaurants that would never have a TV, and I'm someone who like, oh, can you? Where's the NFL? Can I get the streaming on my basketball? Is is my laptop and my iPad and my phone and I'm struggling to find it. I, you know, I'm the one who goes to a sports bar and has to tip a waitress <laughs> to turn the college football game I won on and, and I'm someone who they have MSNBC and CNN and Fox and I'm like, you're a sports bar, can you please turn uh, this, you know, the Yankees on? I mean, I can't get my sports on. I can go anywhere and watch the World Cup. I mean, it's, I, was, I watched the game in a, in, a, in a bicycle store in the Hamptons. Uh, they had the game on and I'm just standing there and like, oh, I, I'm watching the World Cup. They go, oh, that's okay, that's okay, that's what you do. I mean, places like delis in New York have TVs. It's everywhere in New York. I, I, like, where'd you get a TV in a deli? A big screen TV right in a little deli in New York, and every deli has, has one of those. So it's pretty neat that <laughs> if you want to follow the World Cup, anywhere you go, it's going to be on TV somewhere. Every deli has great uh, bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll, too. Salt if you can send ketchup. some of those down, Ira, we'd really appreciate it here in Florida. No, you're absolutely right, though. Saturday, I spent the uh, afternoon in City Place. Brother Jimmy's, it's a southern barbecue restaurant here, beautiful place. Every single TV is World Cup. And there's people with Mexico jerseys watching the game, cheering it on like we were in Mexico City, walking down you, every single bar in a row, every TV has the World Cup on. So that's a great, uh, you know, great spot on analysis. And this is why the World Cup captures or captivates the world. And I'm so upset. Team USA is not there. Oh 801 Iron Sports 95.9 True Oldies Channel. Oh, Bubba Watson, arguably the most uh, biggest head case on the entire PGA Tour. Ira, though, he wins. He won the Travelers Championship last weekend. He's actually the only golfer on the tour this season with three wins. That's very impressive. Bubba Watson is amazing. I mean, the guy has had twelve tournament wins and two at Masters. Two at Riviera, where I saw him earlier this year in, in Brentwood, in, in California, Riviera Country Club, at the Genesis. They call it different. And three at the Travelers. So he's one of his 12 wins. Three have been on. It doesn't matter how he's playing. doesn't matter. I mean, listen to Bubba Watson. He has been in 17 majors since his last Masters win. He's missed the cut in eight of those 17. He's had no top tens. And the last two years, his best result was 27th. And the, but yet he continues to win in Hartford. He continues to win in Brentwood, and he continues to win, you know, or compete in a little bit in the Masters. It, what an, I mean, the, it's a, it's it's very intriguing that he plays so well on these three golf courses. It's fa he just he's an anomaly inside an enigma wrapped in Pandora's box. I, I just don't know how anybody, even his psychiatrist, probably has no idea what's going on in Bubba Watson's head. Um. Ira, of course, you're the biggest Tiger fan in the biz. I think we're going to see him next week at the Quicken Loans? 
Yeah, in Potomac. It's his tournament. He announced he's going to do that. But it's weird when you look at the schedule, how the schedule works out, that he's going to play in that tournament. Then there's the Greenbrier in West Virginia and the John Deere in Illinois. Tiger said he's not playing in those two. He's then going to go to the British Open. And then after that, there's the Canadian Open. But then they start playing these where you have to qualify for, like the World Golf Championships in Akron uh, at Firestone, the Bridgestone. Well, if he's not in the top 50 in the world, he's 80 right now, he wouldn't play in that. And then you go to the PGA Championship, will play in there, and then you have the FedEx Championships. And that's the season. I mean, golf is over. I mean, it's, it's going to be even over next year. It's going to be over much earlier than even that. Uh, but it'll be interesting. I mean, this is going to be your chance to see Tiger this weekend in Potomac, and then he's not going to play again until the British Open. But uh, uh, this is a tournament that he, he's, he hasn't ever – I don't think he's played on this course before uh, because they moved it around at different places. But, uh, you know, I, as I said, we didn't really – we had to throw out what he did at the U.S. Open and a lot of the other golfers. And I think this field is still getting shaping up in terms of what who's going to play. But it, it should be interesting to see Tiger. He's wanted to play in this tournament. He's been hurt so many times that he hasn't played in his own tournament where it goes to his foundation. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays this weekend. Canadian Open, eh? Does Mike Weir uh, get an automatic bid? And what about Jamie Sedlowski, the long drive challenge uh, champion, Canadian as well? I, I want to go. Uh, check out the Canadian Open. I think that'd be interesting. Getting into tennis, Ira, um, your boy Roger Federer, he lost in the finals to a guy who's not even seated. Yeah, I mean, it was, there was two grass tournaments going on, and, and Wimbledon starts uh, on the second. Uh, but it was interesting because I watched Djokovic play. Djokovic won 12 majors. He was number one for four years in a row, uh, sort of when Federer and Nadal weren't playing that well. He looks like he's getting it back. Now, he lost to Silic in three sets, and it was a great match. But if Djokovic, and on the betting odds now, if Djokovic is back at playing at this elite level, and plus you have Federer and you have Nadal, Murray's entered the mix, you have the young guns in tennis. I mean, I've been talking for three weeks. This Wimbledon is just shaped up to be the combination of some of the best players in the world playing against each other at the, and some of the great, not just the best players in the world now, the best players of all time playing at the best of their games. So it'll be exciting. Ira, the question of the week always is, where are you headed? I don't think nowhere this week. I, I wasn't going to go to the draft, but I was in New York and I wanted to go. But I and I loved and I I loved it. I loved being at the draft. I, I just love the NFL draft. It used to be in New York all the time, and now they move it around. And if you're in New York and the draft is going on, I think it's a cool place just to go down. You have to watch every single pick for every round. But I think it's fun to go to. So unless I catch a baseball game somewhere, I don't think I'm going to be uh, anywhere this week. But uh, um, but certainly we're coming up to football season in two months. So I I, I will throw this out there. Yankees are playing the Phillies, and if you haven't been to Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia, it's the only nice thing in Philly. So maybe that's something you could check out um, because that place is amazing. And uh, we'll be looking forward to talking to you next Monday night to find out where you've been. We are out of time, though, on behalf of Ira, Sean LaGrega, I'm Mike Balsamo. Let's catch up next Monday night on Ira on Sports.